Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you out of Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington. This is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your super dope host with most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, to my right, along with me today, is an MMA fighter, Nicholas Merritt. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Solid, brother. How nice. are you? I'm, I'm pretty good, <laughs> man. So, you know, we wanted to switch it up a little bit and talk uh, and get a fighter in the studio. And um, Slick Nick the Ruler is his Instagram handle. Uh, on Facebook, he's Nicholas Merritt. And I actually came into contact with you when I opened my gym down in Tacoma, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, and he was seeking out strength and conditioning and a jiu-jitsu gym as I opened a jiu-jitsu gym down in Fircrest, Washington, which is a little suburb of Tacoma. And this was what, about two years ago? Did we yeah, link just up? Just about, yeah. 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 We linked up about two years ago and we did some training together. I helped him out with some strength and conditioning stuff. And he started training under Professor Josh Calva, which is our main instructor in Tacoma, who also kind of has an MMA background. So, um, but to get to you and to talk a little bit about you and your background. Um, so you are uh, an MMA fighter that's just about to turn professional, correct? Yes, sir. That is the goal. Okay. And what is your, uh, I know, I know what you do, but what do you focus on in fighting as far as training and being a fighter? Like, what are the different aspects? Obviously, you have to be well-rounded, but what is your forte? Um, I'm a little more focused on the striking aspect of uh, martial arts. That's where my biggest strength would be. Okay. Uh, coming into to contact with you and the jujitsu was a great great opportunity for me with you opening the doors. I, you really opened my eyes to a lot of the the compound lifting and stuff like that, right. which, which helped with uh, the explosive aspect of my game, which is nice. But really, I, I really um, make the agility and the speed uh, my biggest focus because I'm not like right. a huge guy. I don't have much of, like on my frame. Yeah. And, you know, being 6'1 and fighting at 145, it's like really played into my favor. So, you know, staying strong and staying lean is, is definitely you know, the biggest focus, you know, in fighting, just like in bodybuilding or in business or anything else there, I, I feel like there's too much of a precedent where people want to work on just their weaknesses, but you want to, I feel you need to make your strengths stronger. Oh, absolutely. So I, the things you're good at are the things you're going to overwhelm people with. So why not fucking keep working on them? Like, don't, don't, short, don't try. If you're a striker and you can just, you know, knock a dude out in the first round. Why just work on nothing but grappling and not enhance that striking game to the next level? So you can you can't have a weak grappling game. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're a striker and that's your strength, I feel like you should still work on striking as well wow. is a grappling aspect. What have you how how like how is the development of your game been in the last like from where you started because you started out in striking correct correct were you yeah. strike like you were doing straight kickboxing and muay thai and that yeah yeah so i started okay. with uh well originally i started out at victory athletics under dennis hallman and benji raddick right and they come from um i remember you know, dennis when he was at uh matt humes yes yeah, yeah. so right. he, he comes from like the the old school pancreation catch wrestling background right. uh originally when i first started i started focusing 
on where my strengths were at, like you said, because, you know, I didn't want to dismiss what I was naturally good at. Sure. While trying to learn something and grasp concepts that were completely new to me. Right. So I stuck with the striking and really worked with a Benji Raddick on my boxing and really developed my hands, which ended up like carrying me through quite well uh, when I went against guys that could kickbox really good. Because right. the best way to nullify kickboxing is to basically smother the kicks, get in on the inside yeah. and box them. Yeah. So. Well, and I know a <clears throat> lot of guys um, who get into MMA and I think a lot of uh, people have compartmentalized their fightings into starting off in kickboxing and Muay Thai and then moving into MMA and then tying in the grappling part of it. Has that been part of kind of your strategy or have you had a strategy or what is your strategy with training these days now that you've got some grappling underneath your belt um, and how is your jujitsu coming along? As a as a side question, uh, let, let's start there. Okay, um, like now, now that like I've I've you've opened the doors to me with with Gracie Baja, which has honestly been a huge game changer for me. Yeah, like getting in there and under and starting to grasp the concept of like the gi, and learning under Calvo uh, really upped my game majorly. So right, uh, Josh is great. He's he, solid, man. He's yeah, he's, and he is, and he translate what he knows really well to yeah. other people's games and, and coming from a a, a, a strict no gi background and getting introduced to the gi it was nice because having josh there and understanding both sides of it he really was able to teach me that um both really complement each other well like right your your no gi game and like the pace that you put with no gi really crushes people in like a gi game and then you know also learning the composure and the positioning patience the patience right and really working that chess game right from the gi and bringing it into that no gi relentless yeah. pace yeah really ups the game and really you know and, and a lot of people probably don't know this but there are some really notable mma legends that are under gracie baja and train in our system in jiu-jitsu john bones jones trains in new mexico with <laughs> professor tusa yep. and uh, george George St. Pierre trains under some guys in Montreal, yeah. some, some GB guys. And I know there's countless other Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and Gracie Baja Jiu-Jitsu guys that are prominent MMA fighters. Um, so, you know, it's not Gracie Baja is a sport Jiu-Jitsu team, but they, they branch off into combatives and they help out people's games that already are like you, like a striker. And have done no gi and pancreation. And then I, I I feel it lends to being a more patient fighter and l learning more. I think I feel like if if you learn the intricacies of the gi, um overall, over years, over time, it can help your game. Oh, 100 percent Yeah. 100 percent So what are you doing these days? You know, I worked with you in the past where we worked together, where I was I took individual moves that he did. So I would take like a jab or I would take a right cross and I would take his footwork and I'd say, okay, we need to get the feet faster. So we're gonna do these ladder drills. We're gonna do these jumping drills. We're gonna be jumping off one foot. We're gonna be uh, laterally moving like you would in, in, a, in a match. And then as far as the punches, we would use bands and balls and different things where you punch with resistance and you punch repeatedly faster and faster, whether you're in a jab formation or you're throwing a right cross or 
what have you. You're throwing it fast with resistance. And then when you come back into the ring or the octagon and you're sparring, your, your strength helps catapult your game and translate to a stronger, more forceful punch is the idea. It's not going to make you a better strength and conditioning and doing these kind of drills is not going to make you inherently a better fighter. It's not going to give you better technique, but what it's going to do is make you more powerful within the technique that yes. you've already had. Yeah. And so my goal with him was to give him the tools and teach him how to use a soft plyo ball, um, different gauge uh, bands and attach these bands to you know, bars and, and then work the jabs, work the right crosses, work the, the plyo balls, work the medicine balls in a manner where you're repetitively going faster and faster with resistance. And then you go into your technique and sparring and, you know, you're training with your, with your MMA guys banging and, and whatnot. And all of a sudden you've got a, 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 a stronger Nicholas Merritt, which is yeah, yeah. What, and what um, we're after. And Working with you uh, leading up to the uh, that that three day WBC Muay Thai tournament I did was like yeah it was it was good because everything that you had me working as far as with the bands and the ball and working those real explosive punches like really added some pop right. to everything that I was already doing right because behind the you know the smooth technique I now had a little extra sauce <laughs> yeah so, yeah yeah. And, you know, getting back to playing on the strengths of somebody, there have been some devastating fighters in the UFC and in boxing that are tall, lanky guys. If you look at like even throwback guys, like you go back to uh, the hitman Hearns, if you go to Mark Breland, if you go to some child, like even I even look at the at the I and I was looking at the um, watching the highlights. I didn't watch the whole fight of the Wilder. Fury fight this past weekend, but I'm looking at the arms on this freaking Tyson Fury dude, and he is a long, lanky dude. Yeah, yeah, he might. Be I mean, he he outweighed Wilder by 40 pounds, so he kind of shoved him around a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, I felt like he outboxed him. He sure did. He was able to like really utilize his reach and movement. Yeah, and that's what you know. He outclassed him. He made him look right. Like he wasn't right really ready for the fight. Right, <laughs> right. And Wilder's game what is kind of bullying people around. He wouldn't be able. He wasn't the bully. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So is that what is your like when you fight somebody? So you're six one and you fight at one forty five. Are you gonna fight at one fifty five too eventually? I I, I do take one fifty five fights okay. regularly. I uh, for that three day tournament I cut down to one forty five. Okay. Or, but a bigger like if you got a bigger opponent and a bigger organization and a pro like you you'll, you'll cut yeah. down to one forty five. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Until you get bigger and grow into yeah yeah. So so. Given that, what what are the sizes? You being six one and fighting one forty five, what are the guys you usually fight? What are their dimensions? Like, what's your reach? I honestly, I've never even really measured it. Oh, okay, <laughs> but, but I should. Um, I would assume it's in the seventies. It's, it's it's pretty long. So yeah, I'm because I'm able to like really work behind. Uh, if you, I mean, every every time you watch me fight, I, I kind of tend to like go with like a John Bones flow where it's kind of right. like that, that lead hand out to kind of measure. Right. And then once I feel them come in, I kind of like lull them to sleep with that lead hand, just moving and then bang, just throw right. some, some heat behind. Right. Uh, but most of the guys that I go against at 45 and 55 are a little bit shorter in stature, but they got a lot more like mass on them as far right. as like muscle mass. They're a lot more yeah. short, stocky. Um, 
<clears throat> usually come from a wrestling background. I was just gonna say, are they predominantly grapplers? Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. I've only I've only had uh, the two losses, which were guys that were shorter than me, right? That managed to get underneath and utilize their wrestling. Yeah. So, you know, that's it. And like in 2017, I went four and zero with four first round finishes, like you know, eight second knockout, right? And the rest of them were you know, TKOs and finishes. So. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> when so when is when is the pro debut likely for you? What do you want to see in your game before you turn pro? And who do you want to fight? How experienced of a fighter do you want to have? Or do you want to take in your first fight? Obviously, your first fight coming out in the pros, you want to take like the best of the best. I mean, of course, maybe your mentality is to do that, but it wouldn't be the smartest thing. Yeah, I mean... So what know, are you kind of looking for? Yeah, so I, I ideally... Um, you know, with with MMA, it's like you never really get a, you know, quote unquote fair matchup. It's usually like, oh, yeah, this guy has like two MMA fights. But what they don't mention is that he's like a fucking three time international Pan Am champion or right. something like that. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, cool. So this guy has like 20 years experience in his respective art and built off that. So he right. might have two MMA fights. Which you know, oh yeah yeah you're but he's your, been fight training for exactly, however for, long yeah yeah so yeah, for a minute but you know it, when if when I when I make the debut with like boxing or whatever I'm gonna take whatever they offer honestly because I I'm right. not afraid of anybody and I'm I'm never gonna back down ideally I would like to like build that record sure but I mean promoters are looking for dudes that come to fight and that's what I do so yeah you, know, you like, scrap. I'm here to scrap. I'm right. here to put on a show. I'm not here for no patty cake bullshit. Let's right. let's, let's throw these let, hands let, and get to work. Yeah, let's get down. Um, let's get back to the start. What did you start? How did you get your start in athletics? Have you always been fighting, doing martial arts, or what did you start with other than was it just Dennis Hallman and and Benji Raddick that you started training with? And what year was that? And then did you do anything before that as far as like martial arts as a kid or um, athletics? Well, I, I always like played a little bit of sports. I, I played soccer all through, you know, elementary school. Which, okay. I loved it because it was just, you know, fast paced, go, 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 go. Sure. Back and forth. Um, after that, going into middle school, I played some baseball and then I played a little bit of football. Um, so I, I have a little bit of athletic background, but not much. So, like I grew up in a lot of like, uh, group homes and foster homes and stuff like that. Okay. And it, it, it's hard to get the funding and the approval to really get involved with like martial arts and stuff like that. But I did always... Like put hands on people. I, I, you know, I tried to right. explain to them. I was like, "This, this is something that's in me. It's something that I need to get out." Right. Uh, without having like an an an, an legitimate. So you outlet. need an outlet. For I needed it. an outlet, and right. then and I tried to explain to them. I was like, "Look, if if you allow me to go to let's say karate, taekwondo, boxing, whatever, even if it's you know wrestling yeah. at the middle school or, or literally anything to where I would have that outlet, then you wouldn't see me." getting these altercations at school with kids or getting these altercations like you know with these like uh, people in the foster homes right and like so it's a pent-up energy that has to come <clears throat> out in some way shape or form yeah so either positive or negative and we want yeah. we, and we want to keep it positive 100 percent, right? man yeah. and ever since yeah. i started training i started training back in 20 2014 i'm so i was down in arizona i met this dude uh humberto Cazares, and he trains with Pablo Savoy down in Mexico and Pablo Savoy was on the Latin American uh tough okay the ultimate fighter down there and he was a super cool dude and I was just honestly I was just really curious to see how I'd hold up against somebody that actually trained and had a had a winning record and stuff like that right 
And there was a facility in Arizona that they had a cage, they had weights, they had bags. They didn't have any coaching. So uh, YouTube was my head coach. <laughs> yeah. When I first started, I would just YouTube and go work work the bag and try to like figure things out for myself. Wow. Um, and then eventually, like when he came into like, what what year? How long ago was this? To put it in that was. I see. I moved to Arizona um, in the 2011, and I worked down there for a couple of years. And I, I started picking it so up. So like nine years ago. Yeah, about about, like about, about and, how, so, and how old are you now? Uh, I just turned thirty back in September. Just turned so thirty. It's, it's time to to hit that gas. And yeah, go. yeah. <laughs> so pretty much your early twenties. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, okay, but but more um, actively competing and actively uh, seeking out legitimate coaching, right. legitimate training partners, yeah. and, and taking it seriously. Not drinking, not smoking weed, not smoking cigarettes. Yeah, cutting out. You know all the right. all the bullshit and right. just focusing on on something like fighting and competing yeah uh that's yeah. that's been you know since 2014 it was when i moved back and started training with hallman and radic down down oh, victory okay okay and so what are your goals for 2020 because i know you compete in boxing kickboxing muay thai as well as mma so you're kind of a consummate striker who's got into the mma and worked on his grappling but what are you looking to do fight wise as a professional? Like what different organizations or like <clears throat> promotions do you want to be on in, in what style? Um, I mean, I would love to get in with, with everything. Uh, I, you know, ever since I started with Gracie, I also started doing jujitsu tournaments in Gi and no Gi. Right. Uh, my first tournament in Gi, I was actually lucky enough to place first and I ended wow. up double meddling in that tournament, uh, in Gi and no Gi. Yeah. So, you know, compliments to Calvo for really up in the game. Yeah. And, you know, and, and again, a major thanks to you for opening those doors and allowing me to like step on the mats and see such a different yeah. side of things, which was great. Um, going forward in 2020, I think ideally I would like to get a good boxing coach behind me and start working towards like a boxing debut first. Right. Do you have any fights lined up yet? Or no. Uh, so I was going to take I another was, amateur fight. I was, yeah, I was about to take one more amateur fight. Uh, in, in what April. MMA or yeah, kickboxing? I was gonna do one more MMA. Okay, uh, in April on for what Rain card? F Rain FC. Okay, I, I tend to go there because I I really like Bristol Marunde. and yeah. he's a super solid dude. He used to fight. Uh, he takes really good care of everybody, yep. regardless of whether you're amateur or pro. You you are always treated. With Where respect. are those held at? Or are they? Uh, they're they're held at the around. Clearwater Casino. So okay. just on the other side of the water, around the Bainbridge oh, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, super nice casino. The thing I really like about it is that. Um, you know, obviously it's a casino, so there's a bunch of chain smokers and shit like that. But but right. the 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 event center is actually separate from the casino, so it actually okay. has like a nice separation where there's no smoke getting in where we're competing. Right. So we're not sitting there breathing in smoke, trying to warm up. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, coming out like <laughs> looking like a, like a chain smoker that right. wants to blow their paycheck on slots. You know, right, so, right. Um, that's super nice and and. It's a the great thing about the Clearwater Casino as well is that it's an all ages event. So anybody that wants to go to the fight can go. And there's right. no you know it have to be 18, have to be 21. Anybody's welcome. And that's another thing that I really love about it because there's there's you know young young cats that are you know really big fans of the yeah. sport and really want to come and they they can't. So right, right. <clears throat> having that availability is nice. Would are there yeah. any schools that you want to branch off and train under, it, even if it's like 
every quarter or a couple times a year and get down and and, and get down with it uh, that are not in Washington State? Not in Washington. Uh, absolutely. I have a, a good friend down um, down in Boston and he trains or Boston area, not necessarily right. Boston exactly, but he, he, he trains under uh, Joe Lozon. Okay. Uh, Lozon's gym, solid group of dudes out there. A lot, okay. of, a lot of good uh, UFC brass out there, man. So wow. I, I would, cool. uh, I'm, I've been in contact with him. Um, I'm most likely going to go out there because I can limit uh, cost and just stay with him while I'm there, which would be nice. I don't have to worry about a hotel and stuff like that. Aside from that, I, uh, you know Dex Montenegro. Also of course, yeah. Out, out, out of your out of your gym. Um, he's been making trips out to Colorado. I saw that recently. <clears throat> yeah, so he's been going out to bang, uh, bang Muay Thai to work with Dwayne Ludwig. Let, let me give you a little, uh, a little forewarning going to Colorado because my son lives in Colorado, so I go to Colorado all the time. I go to Pueblo, Colorado, so I usually go into Denver, Colorado Springs, mm -hmm. and I've trained multiple different times uh, at different gyms in Colorado Springs, and you're at 7,000 elevation. Yeah, in, in, I don't know where it's where you're going to be at, but er, everything is mile high there. So yeah. there's anything in Colorado is like at five thousand feet, and here we're training at two hundred feet. <laughs> so yeah. I hopped on a couple Smith machines and some leg machines and and hit a leg day, and I thought I was in pretty decent shape, but I felt like my heart was about to explode, huffing and puffing, doing just basic high rep sets of squats, and I couldn't breathe. And then I'm like. What the fuck is wrong? I was thinking, is there something wrong with me? Because I didn't, I didn't put two and two together oh, when I was yeah. there. But then <clears throat> afterward, I was like, oh shit, I'm like in the freaking mountains right now. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. is tough. So yeah, it yeah. is a great place to train, but but be ready for it because it's going to be different. And it takes yeah. your probably by the time you acclimate, you're going to be leaving. But it's probably <laughs> good for your training too. I I would recommend if you can get into like before you take a fight. Being able to get out with those guys for a couple of weeks before yeah. you take your fight would be optimal because that's that's why the Olympic Training Center is there. Yeah, uh, that's so I drive by there every day when I when I fly into Colorado Springs or Denver, go down and see my son. I drive by the USA Hockey, the NSCA, all the USA stuff there, the gym, and I've actually toured in the complex there. Mm -hmm. And those athletes definitely have an advantage. And that's why they picked Colorado Springs because of that advantage. Yeah, in, yeah. In training athletes year around in that in that kind of climate <clears throat> environment. Yeah, yeah, but for sure, if I go there, I'm I'm for sure gonna be pushing my cardio extra hard here before I go. How is the Jits game going? How is the? <clears throat> are you planning on having any more grappling tournaments upcoming, or are you just worried about the MMA and the striking and and kind of getting down with that? Yeah, no, I definitely am looking towards uh, getting some some grappling and try to get some more medals for, okay. for your gym. Yep. You know, nice. it was nice to get, put some medals on the Represent. board for, for the GB Tacoma. Yeah. You know, so uh, I would like to get get. Some we got more. a strong team. We have, the gym's <clears throat> only a little over two years old. We got a strong ass team down there. Man, ever since you got that new location, it really yeah. took off. It's, it it's really up. popped. It it's really, really popped. Up. Yeah. That was a good move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise having a falling out in that old gym. Yeah. So give me a Monday through Sunday training breakdown right now. What's an ideal <clears throat> training week for you? Um, what do you do on Monday, Tuesday? So Tuesday, I, I so I, I kind of have like a, a weird schedule right now. So Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, I uh, I work 
my part-time job with Dex. Okay. But uh, in the evenings, that's when uh, I go and like do, you know, maybe some cardio, yep. swimming, you know, rows, you know, sh- shit like that. Yep. Basics. Um, depending on what the day's looking like, as far as daddy duties and everything like that. Yeah. I can usually fit something else in, and then I just kind of feel out what's available and then i go and just make it happen whether it be uh gb uh seattle now that i'm up here it's like it's it's honestly 12 minutes from my house so it's pretty yep. pretty easy to get there so if they have a class at six or you know 6 30 whatever I, mean, I can usually make that yeah so let me mm-hmm. ask how many days a week or do you implement doing the agility drills any of the explosive stuff quick feed or do you put that into your warm-ups before you do MMA and striking or how do you, and do you still get down with kettlebells and the stuff that I kind of taught you? Are you still doing that a couple days a week? And what does that look like in your training? Yeah. So, so, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I teach classes part-time at title now, okay. which opens up that facility for me to use, which oh. is also right up the street from a 24 in Redmond, which okay. is, you know, ideal. So basically it's like I, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is basically like my full days of, Teaching a couple classes, but right. really like buckling down and like pushing myself. Yeah, um, that's a good schedule. So that's a you good know, schedule. It, it basically, like, so because I can't do as much as I used to do when I was single and didn't have a kid, where right. I, I would train six, seven days a week. Basically, what I've what I've done is kind of condensed them down to really pushing it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, which you know, realistically because I was working a full-time job back when I was single, I still would put a, put around the same amount of time based on like the hours put yeah. into it. But uh, now that I'm, I'm, I'm really focusing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and yep. just getting some light work in Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, like just getting in what I can. Yeah. Um, that has like basically like doubled the amount of time that I'm actually able to like work. Yeah, that's cool. So <clears throat> because your work and your training are kind of tied in to the same deal yeah so day, that's the same. that's the the cool thing about it is yeah. like i'm able to like one <clears throat> see things from a different perspective as i teach them to people because every every single person is is different so they may understand something right away some people don't understand something you have to think of how to explain it in a different way yeah um so doing that is cool because like it helps me understand it that much more, you know, right. just the understanding the mechanics and the movements behind, um, you know, your boxing, kickboxing, et cetera. Yeah. But <clears throat> having that open now where I'm able to like make a little bit of money real quick. Right. And then get, your, get my get work your in yeah. and then, you know, uh, it's, it's cool because it, it helps me like keep that that baseline cardio, you know, f- you know, fresh all the time. Yep. And then Monday, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like I said, as soon as I'm done with classes, that's when I go push myself and having that baseline from like teaching the classes, I yeah. can really like push it to like spike for like sprints or right. all the stuff that we were working with, like, yep. you know, the explosive bang with the, with the, uh, you know, the ball the mad and, balls and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> all that stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah. So basically I just, I just, can, I just condensed the time down right. to those, those three days being the big ma- major days that I, I focus like super tough on, you know, getting it in. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, I teach a class at 6am and then I can go and do my thing for about four hours. Right. And then I get, that gives me enough time to one, push myself, exert myself and, and rest up, teach another class. Sure. 
go to go do the technique. It's yeah. basically like what you what you told me before, where it was like, you know, if, if you could focus on your weights and everything like that in the morning time, right, then you could really, you know, buckle down on your technique in the evening, slow it right. down just a little bit, but like still be active, still moving, still, you know, grasping new concepts and sure. growing, developing yourself. And that's always something that I've really promoted with athletes that rather just get in one big session at night where you go for three, three and a half hours, it's better to break that up into little mini, you know, training sessions where then you get a couple meals in and recover and then come back and train again. It's how the Olympic athletes train. It's, it's, <clears throat> it's how all the top athletes train is they split it up rather than just doing one big because if you do one big training session where you go for like three or four hours and you might you may do a striking class and you may do a grappling class and then you may do some sparring uh and weights or, or what have you before or after um it's so much of a drain on the system yeah that it's hard to recover from that than if you were to break up two sessions of an app 90 minutes each and get a couple meals in in between rather than doing three hours all at once yeah um, I, and I also feel like you'd be fresher in that oh, second 100%. 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, you could, you definitely, you could feel yourself like you slowly feel, depleting. Right. If you, if you push it for, you know, three to four hours. So I, originally, like when I started at victory, that's what I would do. I would go right. there and be there and I would do all night jujitsu, yeah. kickboxing, MMA, strength and conditioning, right. like all back and back to back and like no yeah. time to rest. Right. Dra uh, drag your ass out of the gym with the tail between your legs. At the yeah. End of <laughs> and the, you really feel it in the morning time when you, yeah. you're like, fuck, I can't fucking move. Everything's achy. Right. But so you just got to suck it up. I mean, you know, it's also one of those things like when you start moving, it starts to break up that lactic acid a bit. Yeah. You start feeling a little bit more, more, more mobile. Right. A little bit sharper, but the same pop, and the same explosiveness yeah. isn't there as it was yesterday. Right. And then when you're doing that six days a week, you don't really, you don't really get that, that recovery you need. So you're really just breaking yourself down. Yeah. And you know, that's what, <clears throat> yeah, 2018, I had a string of injuries and, it, and it's really because like I, you know, I was doing that. I was pushing right. myself too much, not getting enough recovery time. Yep. I was, Recovery is huge. You know, I've huge. talked, I've talked to countless different people on countless, you know, bodybuilding, wrestling, fighting, you know, getting on stage and figure bikini, whatever you're doing. Um, if you do not get your sleep in, if you not get your nail, your nutrition and hit your meals, mm. skip meals, don't drink enough water, you're going to get injured. Oh, absolutely. Like something will go wrong at some point. Oh, absolutely. How, how is your nutrition? How, how's it doing lately? How, how many meals are you getting into? Because I know I worked with you a little bit on that. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. ate pretty clean from the, from what I remember, your diet was, was pretty straight to begin with. It was pretty clean. You, you're not, you're not a junk food guy or a yeah, lots I mean, of eating lots normally, of fried Normally, foods. yeah, yeah. Normally, yeah. Uh, normally I eat pretty clean. I try to, especially like around competition time, I start doing like that intermittent fasting. I do about 16 hours. I usually... When, when I'm competing, I try to like eat, I schedule, I schedule all my meals and all my calories around the workouts. Right. And, uh, you know, kind of like, oh, I have an eight hour work, work shift. Right. Right. I try to make sure that I have what I need in me to put out throughout that period. Because right. I don't necessarily need to be explosive at 10 o'clock at night when I'm laying in bed. Yeah. You know, so. <clears throat> during competition that's what my that's that's how i break it down i, I really just get like something to like boost me up in the morning 
like when I get that first meal, I, I load up and then I, I, I burn it and then I eat something, uh, you know, high protein, low carb kind of stuff. Just yeah. enough, enough carb to like replenish what I burned. Right. Um, so I can kind of like restore, regenerate and like right. get back to, you know, whatever next session I'm going to do. How hard are your cuts? What do, what do you go up to in weight and then cutting down <clears throat> to 145? And how long does that take you? to get down to, is it an eight week, a 10 week diet? How long do you, like if you're in your off season, what's the heaviest you get? Um, right now is like the heaviest I get and I'm at like 172 right now. Oh wow. So okay. that's the heaviest I get. I usually, yeah. I honestly, like I don't, I don't put too much on, uh, in between. I try to just stay small as much right. as possible. Cause I mean, there's no point to like, load up super and then have yeah. a huge major cut that's 27 pounds over where you're fighting so it's it's still quite a bit yeah. it's still quite a bit yeah, it's, still it's more than just 10 pounds of water yes yeah, absolutely so uh usually when i'm consistently pushing myself and training like i was originally yeah. uh when you first met me like consistent yep. go 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 and uh doing everything right i i basically i can diet down to about 160 and and be high, performance like high right. performance go 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 and yeah. not tired uh you get under 155 and it starts when i started to get under 55 that's when <clears throat> i really it, it, i really uh it put it in, in a, a under the microscope when i did that three-day tournament right. because for that three-day tournament i not only had to make weight you had to stay there i had to stay yeah there. That's so nice. i had to stay at 147 145 right that's the flux like 145 147 i had to stay there for three days so you're kind of like half-assed dehydrated <clears throat> to stay there. well it's like you 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 know you have a fight and then like, oh fuck i'm thirsty but i can't drink too much right. i can't eat to replenish what i just put out so yeah. it's like it was really difficult to to push through that tournament and maintain that weight because I was originally going to fight at 55, but I had another teammate from the the Muay Thai gym that I train at. Right. Uh, <clears throat> uh, RJ Suave. He was he was uh, he was competing. So I want what I wanted to do was basically, I knew I could make that weight. Right. I knew he couldn't. Right. Yeah. And it's better for our gym to have the opportunity to gain two titles as opposed to one. Right. So rather than both of us fighting in the same division, uh, I, mm. I I went down and fought at you know the lower division yeah uh but not being able to replenish and you know not being able to rehydrate i second day i was really feeling it yeah i felt like you know normally i'm pretty fast like you know i'm a pretty fast guy yeah. uh second day like i felt like every punch i threw was like swimming through quicksand like right. i just felt way down it was hard for me to like pop that and bring it back yeah and still be you know agile and move and like well you probably didn't have a ton <clears throat> of glycogen in your in your muscles no, at no, that no. point so. i was i was i was really feeling it and yeah. then uh so i i won my first fight in that tournament it was uh <clears throat> it took me a minute to get get started because the rounds are shorter. Right. So, you know, coming from MMA, you're, you're going from like five minute rounds right. to a two minute round. Oh. So the normal like feeling out period yeah. of that first two minutes of the first round of a five minute round right. is a whole round. Yeah. And that that first round kind of like went by. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm already in the corner. Like, I'm you know, I'm not tired or whatever. Yeah. But I knew I was like getting through on the dude. And then I started to pick it up and then uh, I put him away. The, the, the referee stoppage the referee stopped yeah. it uh, 
But the the most experienced dude that I ended up losing to in semis right. was uh, he had a bye, so he was fresh, so he got to come in. Right. And uh, <clears throat> that was my next fight. I ended up losing to him by split decision. Oh wow! So, so it was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's and he was a he was pretty solid competitor. He actually has fought a couple of times over in Thailand under in Max Muay Thai, which is a pretty big Muay Thai promotion. Yeah. So yeah, you know, to for him to come from that and for me to face him in my first like WBC tournament like yeah. that. And to lose by split decision, I felt I felt pretty good. I right. feel like that's that's still a pretty good uh, win for me. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Well, cool, man. I want to thank you for uh, coming on this episode of Physical Culture Radio. It was good talking to you. For Greg Jones and Nicholas Merritt, thanks a lot for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio. Peace. Later.